Howdy and welcome to another episode of Tales from the Pits. This is Brian. And Andrew. And here we are, Andrew. Um, we're trying a little remote um, recording. You know, we upgraded our our recording system, um, got all fancy, and then um, due to the hurricane and everything else in the traffic, um, we're trying to do this remotely. And if this works, maybe we'll be able to do some more guests via phone. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. You know, we're, we have another hurricane impending uh, Florida right now, um, which is looking pretty scary, but and we, we made it through the one here in Houston, Harvey. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been crazy, you know, the weather that's been coming through here. I mean, obviously, you know, anyone that's not been under a rock for the last week and a half has heard what Harvey has done to, uh, to Texas, multiple parts of Texas, Rockport, Fort Aransas, everywhere in and around Houston, uh, Beaumont, Port Arthur, and the Lake Charles even. Um, but it's, uh, it's been quite, uh, quite a trying time for a lot of people. Um, Brian and I have both been fortunate to, uh, have not had our, fo- our homes or our families affected by it. But, uh, I know there are many, many people that have lost, uh, a lot in, because of the storm and a lot of, uh, you know, tying it back to barbecue, cause this is a barbecue podcast. Um, you know, a lot of the barbecue joints have done some pretty, pretty great things to try to, uh, to help uh, the the evacuees, to help the first responders, to help the volunteers that are helping, um, and uh, you can find that all over social media. A lot of different barbecue joints have literally closed for an entire week, uh, strictly serving I mean, first responders. Seems like the majority of the the well known ones for sure. I mean, I, I yeah. see them, and I don't want to call out one because if I do, then we'll forget another one. But uh, right, many, I mean, there, many, there many, so many, many, many. There's been so many great things. Um, you know, and, you know, and, and now, donating uh, product one, one, and all of that. You know, oh, just, absolutely. You know, yeah, one, one thing I've noticed is, you know, now that now things are starting to get back to some semblance of normalcy around the city, um, I've been out to eat a number of times the last week or so, both the barbecue joints and regular restaurants, and uh, a lot of them are very slow right now because obviously people have more important things on their mind than going out to eat at a restaurant. And, uh, and what one thing I would definitely say, if you know, obviously donating is a great thing, volunteering is a wonderful thing. Um, if you've done that and you want to do more, you know, pour money back into the local economy when and where you can. If you if you've been fortunate like we are to not have been uh, majorly affected by this terrible storm, um, supporting supporting local businesses is a great way to to help the the entire city rebound. And it's not just the the owners; it's the employees that need their tips. They need their their hours and if it's slow then they'll be coming home early and, and you know it's it's something that's very simple it also gets you back to some normalcy um, but there's plenty of great barbecue out there um, get out there and support them yeah no absolutely um, but the, all that said uh, this, this podcast is, uh, is a little different one for us not just because we're recording remotely but uh, we're doing our first uh, listener question podcast episode uh, we uh We've gotten some questions over the last few weeks from different listeners, uh, different things I want to know, barbecue-related, um, some about barbecue joints, some about us ourselves. Um, so we thought we'd take uh, take a few minutes and answer some, some listener questions. Yep. And with that, um, first up, we'll start with Alex Dunlap. Um, he submitted a few in here, so more more than one or two. Um, we'll just go down them yeah, on the list. Um, at Alex Dunlap NFL, if you'd like to follow him on Twitter, we, you know uh, he's he's been listening to our podcast and been supportive of us. So uh, uh, I know he does some work with some some sports media, and uh, he's definitely worth a follow if you're a football fan. All right, and that question is thoughts on Elgin sausage versus other Texas sausage, and uh, levels of of grind. 
um, fine versus coarse. Right, and that's something that we've, uh, I won't say struggle with, but, but you and I have talked about in, in the sausage that we make for, for Double Back Barbecue when we do our pop-ups, um, is, is trying to find that balance between a coarse-grind sausage or fine-grind sausage, um, what will please the masses, what do we personally prefer, uh, and I know that, that we've both gone back and forth and, and made some, some personal compromises, I think, for, for, the, you know, for the public and for not trying to just please ourselves, but trying to, to please our customers as well. And I, I like, you know, I, I like a lot of times a really loose grind, a coarse grind, really loosely packed. Sometimes I feel like you could eat it with a fork even though you don't need to. Um, sometimes that's fine. I like that. No pun intended. Um, other times that finer grind, very much like a commercial sausage, um, very tightly packed in there. Um, you know, it, it works. And actually we're, we're experimenting as, as we're doing sausages. We're trying some some with coarse and some with fine and trying to see which ones lend themselves better uh, personally. I, you know, I think that the pork, the poultry and pork blends that we're playing around with work better with a finer grind and I prefer the beef ones with a more coarse grind. Yeah, I do as well. And and the coarse grind, you and I are big fans of. We, you know, we've gone on barbecue runs just going to places we know have great sausage just to try these different styles of sausage, which I mean, we highly recommend just taking a trip down through, you know, Highway 90, going, you know, going to Lockhart and Luling area also as well. And I said, well, you know, some great, great classic sausages. But uh, loose grind sausage to, to people that, that haven't really grown up eating that style of sausage, most of your commercials, as Brian was saying, commercial type sausages are, are a tight pack, a fine grind sausage. So you eat that loose ground sausage and it, and it kind of tastes, you know, quote unquote weird to you. Or some, some will say it tastes like hamburger meat to you because it's got that that texture of coarse coarse grind like a like a hamburger patty does yeah and it's um you, you mentioned the kind of the sausage belt right all the way down highway 90 a little south of i-10 you can kind of curve up as you come in towards central texas and hit luling come up through um i'd make a side trip over to hayes county um not not an old classic place but uh, excellent doing some excellent sausage there um up through lockhart absolutely of course and up to taylor as far north as taylor um, just a lot of great variety there and and uh, definitely a little different in different places everybody has their own spin you know we we talk a lot about in texas we talk a lot about hot guts or czech style or german style and, and to be honest it all kind of blends together although um, you see garlic in some of the uh, some of the czech stuff as opposed to less garlic in the german and then you get out to East Texas where you get these garlic bombs. And if you haven't yep. had one of these, um, it, it's worth the experience. Okay. And, and Andrew is, talked about and that course It's definitely another one of those acquired tastes, I think, too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's served. I'll give you my example. And, Andrew, you can chime in or, or, or tell me yours. When I went there, it, it's this, you know, it, it comes on a plate of grease. <laughs> it's it's enough yep. that there's greasy sausage and I like it, a good greasy sausage no no nothing wrong with that but it actually there's a pool of grease on the plate before you even bite into it and then my experience I've had them a couple of times my experience is that the casings are usually pretty crappy um, oh yeah you you absolutely do not want to eat the casing on any yeah. <laughs> and so you basically cut it open and eat the insides out which are just just again they're greasy as all get out as well and so um, it's what that good old white bread's for just dip it in the grease but um, yep and, uh, and you can make garlic. yourself a little uh a deconstructed roll-up i guess you, you know <laughs> get that get that sausage out of the casing onto a slice of bread get a little dip into that greasy boat of uh 
of beefy goodness and uh it doesn't sound good, good when we're talking about it but it, it's an experience <laughs> like it, it is an experience and again if a lot you know if you grew up eating it it's something that's it's home to you but if you've never had it before it's so very different from from a czech style sausage or a german style um that it that it does it does throw you for uh for a bit of a loop when you when you first look at it you're like that doesn't look like the sausage i've been eating all my life and you know, and, and the garlic Texas, yeah the garlic will stay with you for hours afterwards yes it does <laughs> it absolutely does you'll burp garlic um, and andrew told me that and i thought he was joking and you know six hours after i had one i'm still burping up garlic <laughs> i made the mistake the first time i ate it i i got it to go this is at Pichillo's in beaumont one of the classic uh east texas places in beaumont um, I had it to go because I was on a work trip. I didn't have time to, to stop in, so I just went through the drive-through, got some got some garlic bombs, and uh, finished it in the car. Went back, to, you know, went went into work, did my thing. Came out a couple hours later. I had left it in the car, like the remnants of it in the car. Yeah. And uh, it, it was a long weekend getting <laughs> that smell out of the car. That's for sure. Yeah, my uh, my car is used to a lot of different barbecue smells, but that was a new one for it. All right. Well, I hope that answered the question and then some hopefully we didn't get too far off topic um next one up is around wood and um we like to talk about wood god you're just gonna really you're it's really hard not to do it i know it's just really hard <laughs> anyway um oak versus pecan and and wood is a big big topic and something that we really as we travel around and eat different barbecue um really love there is a difference in wood um, some of it's much more um, subtle, and some of it is much more intense. Um, but oak and pecan, you want to go? You want to start with this one? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, the question was, um, you know, what's the difference between oak versus pecan? Um, we're fans of both. Uh, you know, we have you know the, the most recent stock of wood that we purchased for Doubleback was a mixture of oak and pecan. Um, the thing with pecan is, you know, we both love it. It adds a it adds a really distinct flavor to the meat. Um, but number one, it doesn't burn as long as oak does. And number two, it's more expensive. Um, and, and a lot of times, you know, our personal preference is usually for the meat to, to stand on its own. We want it to have that good smoke flavor, but I, I personally don't like the meat to, to, to take on too much of the personality of the wood that it's cooked on. And that's kind of why mesquite is a really delicate thing for me as far as balance, because too much mesquite can kind of blow you away. Um, and pecan, I think, can as well. So, you know, what we personally do on our cooks is we have, we switch to about a two to one to a three to one oak to pecan ratio. We like to throw a little bit of pecan in there, um, get a little bit of that pecan flavor, but not completely dominate the meat with it. And and what about the moisture density? <laughs> uh, yeah, the, uh, we won't get into vorticity and moisture density here on this podcast. There are uh, more qualified people people to be talking about a. Uh, picking up a piece of wood and telling it's moisture density than, uh, yeah. than now, we are. Now, we will say, and this is this is very important because it's something that we learned, unfortunately, the hard way um, oh, yes. this time. So, you know, obviously the greener that a piece of wood is, the less time it's been sitting after it's cut, the more sap and moisture that's in that wood. It takes time to see what they call season. It takes time to season out. And um, what we made the mistake of, and we knew better, what we made the mistake of is we picked up our, our batch of wood, our our the next batch of wood that we got, I think it was a half cord. Um, and when we were almost out down to the last few sticks and the wood that we got uh, as the red Oak, anyway, the pecan wasn't so bad, but the red Oak was just way too green. Um, yeah. And, you, and, you know, we knew it as soon as we, well, we knew it. Pretty you much could, you could hear it. Out, you could hear it and it. see it sizzling. The, the, oh, absolutely. It was really, really bad. And that, that's much more important 
to be honest, than the wood you're using. Um, if yeah. you get some green wood and you're cooking with it, you're going to get some really nasty flavors imparted in the meat. Um, right. And, and, you know, the next question, all, these are all from Alex, by the way, still. The next question actually ties into that. It's, it, it pertains to hickory, um, hickory wood. If hickory was more abundant in Texas, would we use it? Um, would you, Brian, you want to start off on that one? You know, I might, I might play around with it, but my, my experience with hickory is that it's even stronger than pecan. Um, probably not as strong as mesquite. Um, and, and doesn't change as much as mesquite, but um, I've, seen, I've seen hickory used in Texas when you're cooking a little bit faster, um, you know, pork and poultry, which, which obviously takes less time to cook than a brisket, um, and it's just not available here easily. I mean, you can buy it at the store, right. of course, but um, from our, the wood guys that we buy from, I'm not, I'm not even sure if they have hickory available. We have, may have to go to a specialty guy. All right, and then that's the thing with, with barbecue, not even just Texas, but really everywhere, you know, it's been the age-old adage for years that you cook with what's around you. You know, that's why in a lot of West Texas barbecue, you'll have a lot of mesquite because mesquite is the most easily available wood in that part of Texas. Most of Central Texas is oak, and so you're going to see a lot of oak. So, yeah, if we had, you know, not so many oak trees and tons of hickory, you know, tons of hickory wood sitting around here in Texas, there probably would be a lot more barbecue cooked with hickory just because of availability issues. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, oak is obviously the king in Texas. Um, you will see people use a different mix, a different blend. Uh, we, like I said, we use red oak and pecan. Um, there are places that use a little bit of mesquite, but they mix it in with things. Pinkerton does it very well; has a very good balance with his oak and mesquite mix. Um, but but yeah, hickory is uh, is not seen a whole whole lot of uh, joints here in Texas. And and the other one you won't see in Texas are the fruit woods. Um, it's for the same reason; they're just expensive. Um, I, you know, I, as I read and look at competition guys, a lot of those are using, um, you know, wood, charcoal, um, pellets, different kinds of things from the fruit woods and mixing it in and blending it in. Uh, it's just not easy to get here and it's expensive. Yeah. Uh, moving on to our next question, uh, from Alex. Alex had quite a few questions, which is good. I mean, it was, uh, it gave us a lot to think about a lot to, you know, we, we try to, you know, if it's not something we're an expert on, we will tell you flat out we're not an expert on it. We're not an expert on cooking with hickory because we don't cook with a lot of it. But, uh, but we, you know, we try to uh, answer the questions that we can. And if not, we'll try to point you to a place that could answer it better than we could because we don't claim to be experts on anything. Um, but uh, Alex's next question was, does Taylor and New Sweden, which is a small town around Taylor, so kudos to Alex for dropping that one <laughs> Yeah, off. I, didn't, I didn't even know that. <laughs> <laughs> does, uh, does Taylor and New Sweden have its own style versus Lockhart in the Central Texas lexicon as it pertains to brisket? You know, and that's, this almost sounds like a college thesis. <laughs> <laughs> right. It, it's a tough one because even Taylor has, has kind of changed over the years. You know, it's not, it's not exactly the same that it was. Um, it is a little bit different in that, of course, uh, Louis Miller is – pepper you know nine to one is is the proclaimed ratio of pepper they're using up there um, so that itself makes it very different but if you go around the corner to taylor cafe or some other places you're not going to see that same amount of, of pepper um, if you get into lockhart it's much less seasoning you know in the as, as you got older and older as in the history of barbecue there was less and less of the rubs because again this was this was a way to get rid of meat that you didn't sell it wasn't right. its own thing that they were adding expensive kosher, you know, Malabar pepper and kosher salt. It was just whatever they could throw on there. That's why table salt was so prominent. 
Right, and uh, us old fogies that complain about, oh, I remember barbecue used to be cheap. No, some people remember when barbecue used to be really cheap. <laughs> yeah, when it was when it was the most humble cut of meat that again didn't sell. The, I mean, all these places start out as meat markets. Louis Miller started out as a grocer in a meat market. You know, same thing with you know Giddings and Schulenburg. No, basically, and every yeah. one of these small little central Texas towns had meat markets. And Not in whatever the back or sell, even in the alley next to the place. It wasn't. It wasn't right, their primary right. business. So if it's something that you're selling for super cheap, you're not going to waste a lot of money throwing a bunch of spices on it, you know, for something that you're selling for dirt cheap. So, that, you know, and a lot of the Lockhart places, I mean, they still follow that model, not because they're being cheap, but because that's what they've done for years and years and generations. Right. Hot and fast Lockhart, where, you know, the yeah. low and slow has become really de rigueur for barbecue, but hot and fast is still, still done. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely it is. So, so yeah, I mean, so, you know, I, I guess to answer the question would be, yes, Taylor, I guess, you know, when you think Taylor, obviously your mind automatically goes to Louis Miller um, because, you know, it's Louis Miller. It's the one of the most famous barbecue joints in, in the world at this point, um, and rightly so. Uh, but, you know, obviously Taylor Cafe, which Brian referenced earlier, earlier has been around for years and years and years, owned by Bensel Mayers, um, who's in his mid-90s now, I believe, Brian? I, th- I think this year is 93. 92 or 93 so, yeah and he's still yeah, I mean, he's just, still just hanging amazing. out still chatty um <laughs> i went there i went there this year and uh, always always loving it you know to kind of sidetrack on that you should not visit taylor without stopping by taylor cafe um, absolutely you know it it is it is just as unique as louis miller but in a different way um yeah. highly recommend we're talking about sausage get the sausage there they have both a beef and then they have a a very unusual turkey sausage um, get that there, get some to go, even if you have to, but stop in, take a look at the place. Um, you know, really wild. Um, it, it's just a dive bar, but it's a genuine It's almost dive like bar. stepping back in time going in there. Yeah. It's just a different, um, you know, it's a different type of time. <laughs> if you go to, you know, if you go to Louis Miller, you've got the, you know, the, the basketball gymnasium, or I guess maybe more than just basketball, but, um, it is a gymnasium from the, the school back in the day. And it's, it's a completely unique experience taylor cafe is as well um but you know absolutely and i mean same thing with the lockhart joints i mean it's it's great to go into smitty's and see the, the fire pit standing there right there at your feet and i mean it's it's just it's, i don't want those joints to ever modernize or ever change they are what they are and they are you know part of texas history and and i love going there you know no matter how many great hipster joints go out you know open up that we all love you know but it's it's great to see the uh the way things have always been stay the same. Yeah, and, and you know, with, with general barbecue um, trends, these places are falling off the, the map, right? They're falling off some of the top places, but it, the experience factor of going to these, even even Blacks, um, you know, you mentioned Smitty's, uh, Luling, go to City Market in Luling. Don't, it's different than Luling City Market in Houston. Uh, but go to, Very different. Yeah, go to City Market in Luling, and that's another one. But, but we also love... Um, Again, we bring them up again, though, that, that just south of I-10, you know, from Schulenburg, um, Hallettsville, um, what's the other city I'm thinking of? Not Gonzales. Gonzales, yeah. There's some great, great places to visit that just ooze Texas history. You know, they've got the, and this is common at the old places, they've got the wooden cutting tables, and they're just, you know, completely caved in, concave from all of the chopping that they've done on there. Yeah, that's just fantastic. Um, we'll move on. We'll go to uh, to Alex's last question, um, which this one actually, when he because he asked this on Twitter a few weeks ago of us, and it elicited a lot of response. I know uh, Allison Cook was even chiming about uh, 
the lack of baby back ribs in Texas barbecue, which uh, which is an interesting question because I think there's a lot of reasons why you don't see baby back ribs as much as you see spare ribs in Texas barbecue. Right, and you you'll see baby backs at your chain restaurants, um, you know, at, at BJ's and Chili's and places like that. You'll see baby backs always on the menu, um, but those are just sauced to all heck and and oven cooked or pre-cooked off-site and rewarmed right. in the store and it's it's a you know the jack daniels baby backs or whatever whatever well whiskey. i think that's part of the reason why you don't see them as much is because they people have that negative connotation of a baby back rib of if i'm having a baby back rib i'm having it at a chain restaurant where it's like you said smothered in some sweet horrific sauce that masks how dry the meat probably is underneath it and, and, you know, you mentioned Allison Cook, and she asked. She also asked, you know, why don't they do baby backs in, in just plain salt and pepper style? And so after that, I, I really started to wonder, what do they taste like without being sauced? <laughs> so I did that. I, I, cooked, uh, I cooked two racks, and I split them in half and, and tried different seasonings on each one. And I was actually surprised. I cooked them just like we cook our spare ribs uh, with salt and pepper, and I was really pleased on how they came out. Uh, something that we'll probably play around with some more, but... Um, you know, given the choice between if I only really going to cook one, I'm going to cook a spare rib. Right. Oh, and I think, and I, I think baby backs do lend themselves to a sweeter, you know, flavor profile. You know, I think, a, you know, not, I don't mean, like you said, the Jack Daniels sauce and all that craziness, but I do think that, you know, some sort of sweeter glaze, sweet and spicy mixed glaze that you see at Opie's, does, well, some of probably my favorite, favorite baby back ribs in Texas. Excellent ones, yeah. They're, they're fantastic. I had them a few weeks ago. You know, and it's you know, it's that sweet and spicy combo. They, I think they're skewed a little more to the spicier than the sweet side, which is perfectly fine for me. Um, but I, a good baby back rib is, is fantastic. Uh, and there are some places in Texas that sell them. But, and Houston uh, as well. And, yeah, on Houston also. And I think that's, you know, one of, another one of the reasons that, you know, I was thinking about this is when you talk about price points and pit space. And that's that was a big thing when beef ribs were first starting to become popular on barbecue menus was how much a beef rib costs to produce and how much pit space it takes up. And I think, uh, I think Daniel Vaughn wrote an article about it, about the, about how expensive beef ribs are and how pit masters struggle with how much to charge for them. Because you, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, you don't want to charge someone an exuberant amount of money for essentially one rib, no matter how big that one rib may be. And we're talking about a two pound beef rib, but at the same time, you have to you have to make your money back on what that you know what you could have been putting on the pit in place of that item, right. and baby backs are typically sold most of the time. You see them by the half rack or by the whole rack, because there's not a ton of meat on a baby back. You can usually plow through a few baby backs without blinking twice. So most of the time they're sold by half rack or full rack. And just looking around, doing a little bit of research, I saw most full racks of baby back ribs for twenty to twenty three dollars for a full rack. You know, some places a little bit less, some places might have been a little bit more. Um, but when you think about that and spare ribs, which have been king in Texas for as long as, you know, the, the holy trinity of Texas barbecue has been around, you know, if you think about the amount of money you charge for pork spare ribs, a lot of places are charging $17, $18 a pound, do the math. You know, it, you're going to make more money off of selling spare ribs than you are off of baby backs. But I do have one question, Andrew. Yep. Do you want your baby back? I don't, nor do I want the song. I really don't want the song. <laughs> um, and, and we will not serenade our audience with that song. Um, let's move on. But, uh, yeah. Go ahead. 
finishing up the baby bag discussion, uh, let's give them some names of some places that are serving them. Absolutely. Um, let's start with Houston. Yeah. Uh, Gatlin's in Houston. Serves baby bags. Um, going to uh, Louis Miller, who we talked about earlier in the podcast. Uh, well, they serve baby bags, I believe, only on Saturdays, though. And Blue Moon, which is not too far from Houston. No, Blue Moon, which I almost hate telling people it's in Hearn. Yeah, I know. I don't say Hearn. it's in Hearn. It's it's you in know, the middle of nowhere. According to the post office, it's in the Hearn. According to anyone driving, it's in the middle of nowhere. So just just put it in your GPS. Actually, print out a map because your GPS won't work when you get close right. to the place. Yes. But uh, Blue Moon, and we're going to get over there. And if, if you're listening to this, Matt Moon, we're going to interview you. We're going to interview Rick. We're going to interview the whole family. We do want to get over there and talk to you guys because you're one of our favorites. And uh, and we've been wanting to get back over there. We we just try to look for excuses to get back over there. Uh, well, and and you know it's it. Um, we're recording this on a uh, Wednesday, I think Thursday nights. They're closed this week because they're they're out for family vacation. Um, but on Thursday nights they do a prime rib uh, special, which is really good. Um, so yes, and, and then obviously uh, the aforementioned Opie's does the does the baby backs as well, mm. and uh, Stanley's and Tyler does the spicy baby backs also. So that includes the Alex Dunlap portion of the podcast. Uh, moving on to another uh, another listener, uh, Cody Avery, um, who I'm very jealous of because he has a really <laughs> awesome Moberg pit. Uh, shout Cody, out to Moberg uh, pits. Shout out to Moberg. Hey, Cody, if you and, ever want to bring that sucker over to Houston, uh, we'll be happy to cook with you on it. And now, and now uh, it's going to be Robert Sierra who's picking one up too. So uh, um, Everyone is picking up a Moberg pit. <laughs> Everyone. Get a, I think get Elvis is picking up a Moberg next week. Got to get a Moberg. Anyway, Cody. <laughs> Cody, Cody, Cody. Um, Cody, Cody, Cody. At, at LowPro192000. Um, I don't know what the Twitter handle means, but that's his Twitter handle. Um, but uh, Cody asked us if we had any advice on top-ups for beginners, um, maybe a rundown of supplies or some do's and don'ts. I have one. Uh, man, yeah, yeah well, we, got, we got a few. You yeah. want to start don't, out, Ryan? Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> Hey, Grant already told us that. Grant said, don't do it. Are you nuts? Yeah, and, and, and the reason why is, number one, before we even get into the reasons, when you're doing a pop-up, you know, unless you're doing, unless you already have the backing, unless you already have the social media campaign, um, unless you have already have a history, you know, you're not going to be having lines down the street. Right. And so at the end of the day, you're going to cook what you cook. And if you're lucky, you're going to sell what you have. If you're lucky, um, not everybody gets to do that. And at the end of the day, you're going to make a couple hundred bucks profit again, if you're lucky. Um, and right. it's, it's not the amount of time you have to put into it. This is it has to be for the passion of doing it. Um, catering is really where it's at. If you can get that gig, that's the first thing I would advise people to do is to go the catering route. And if you can, because you, you have a predetermined number of people you're cooking for a predetermined price, you set up, you get out of there very quickly. You're not open for half a day waiting for people to, to randomly walk by. And, um, you can build up some of your audience that way ahead of time. Um, also Absolutely. one of the other questions he had is kind of around, um, some supplies and things like that. Well, the other thing is legal reasons. It's a little bit easier to do catering than it is to do a pop-up. Um, so, you know, before we get into that, cause we are stupid and we do things that we want to do regardless of what people tell us. Um, <laughs> but, but catering is definitely something that I would recommend first. And you can start by, you know, doing just it, the other thing I call it the American idol effect. Be careful. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that everybody sucks, but 
if everybody that tells you you're great builds you up and those are your friends and family and they're getting their barbecue for free, that's a completely different world than serving a stranger and asking them to pay their hard-earned money. That I agree with that 1,000%. And um, just so, yeah, to, I mean, what, what... Well, I was going to say, yeah, just I mean, to what, say what that when we, we started... Go ahead. <laughs> this is the problem with doing this over a phone. There is a tiny delay. I know. I can't see you and say, shut up, or you can't <laughs> yeah. see me and say, hold on. <laughs> right. Um, we'll have to try a video camera. Um, the The thing is, is that um, when we first started, what we did is we didn't tell our friends or family. We didn't advertise on social media. We didn't use our Twitter handles. Um, it's not like we have millions of followers, but what we wanted was true and honest opinions of people that just happened upon us and had our food. Um, and, right. and we, 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 did we literally dinner. showed up at a bar with food and it worked out pretty well. Um, yeah. you know, but, it, but at the end of the day, we're not, you know, doing this, even if we did this every weekend, uh, we couldn't sustain our families and our, our bills on it. Um, this is, this no, is for the love no, of the game. You don't do pop-ups to earn a living. If you're doing it, you're, uh, you're going to be looking for shelter pretty soon. <laughs> Because it's just it's not a it's not a business model that's going to keep you, you know, afloat. It just it won't. Um, but but yeah, I mean, if if you're looking, one thing I will say is as far as pop ups versus catering is the one thing that pop ups do give you the uh, the experience with. If you haven't worked a line in a kitchen, if you haven't worked in a barbecue room before, you get much more of that restaurant world experience than you're going to get catering. Because catering, it's a, usually it's a more laid-back setting. You may, you hopefully, it depends on what you want to do. You may have pre-sliced your meat. Yeah. You may have not. Yeah, you know, but at, at a pop-up, it's much more of a customer comes, customer orders. You play with the customer orders. You know, it's much more of a restaurant setting, obviously, in that in that circumstance. So you do get that experience. Um, you know, one thing that we learned the hard way after our first pop-up is. Again, this was this was a training ground for us. We wanted to see can we, can we do this? Can we do this reasonably well? And how much can we do reasonably well? Well, we cooked everything we've ever thought of cooking. Everything that we've ever thought of uh, of putting on a menu went on that first menu, and it it, uh, it wasn't conducive to a to an easy service or a smooth service by any chance. And that and the more you cook, the harder it is to control the quality of it. Yeah, we we did um, six different meats. Um, we we did five different sides. We did multiple desserts, um, and this was this was you know three guys that just showed up at a bar. It wasn't uh, it wasn't anything it planned well at all. Um, over time, we've gotten better. Um, Andrew and I now, you know, number one, we test everything before we put it on the menu. We do like to try to rotate a few items. We have a few items that are that are traditional standbys. But um, we do try to rotate. But if you're starting out, start with the bare minimum. Start with three meats, two sides, maybe three sides tops. Um, yeah, you know. ab- absolutely. Start small. Figure out what you do well. And, and as you get more comfortable, cooking in volume is a very tricky thing. You know, cooking one brisket for your family to eat, and it doesn't really matter when it's done because they'll just eat it when it's done, is a whole different ball game than cooking three briskets and six racks of ribs and you know, 20 pounds of sausage and all this has to be ready at this time. And, you you know, and, and it, different it, temperatures, so, you know, I mean, we, we've, oh, we've resorted to having to use different pits. Um, yeah, even we've though we're got not doing four a lot. pits in our rotation now. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, and, and one big pit that would cook the same amount of meat wouldn't do its purpose because we've got to have different things have to run at different temperatures. Um, and otherwise you're making compromises. 
and uh, getting those things off the pit in time, and that leads into holding your food um, yes. and keeping your food warm too. Yes, uh, figuring out figuring out the timing of how, when you can make things, what holds better, what doesn't hold as well. Those, those things are critical when you're as far as, especially in, again in a pop-up stage when you're trying to make sure. I mean, the last thing you want to do is serve someone cold food. You know, it, it's the worst thing in the world. Number one, it's illegal. Food that's not in the right um, form. So, in other words, like if we did fried foods of any kind in, in the system that we're doing, they'd come out soggy. And it, it, regardless of whether they'd be warm or not, they'd be soggy. Um, right. So, you know, keep it simple and do, you know, do the simple sides. Um, also, be careful, like you mentioned about health. You know, if you're putting mayonnaise-based potato salad and you don't have a way to keep it cool or keep it on ice, um, not only is that a health violation, you could you could actually kill somebody, and that's something you never want to have is people that get sick on your food. I mean, that's just terrible. <laughs> yeah, so so learning how to time, you know, what, what meats you can cook when, what's going to come off the pit, and then you can put this on the pit when that comes off the pit. It's, uh, it, it's a delicate balance, especially, again, when you're cooking in volume, it becomes even trickier to do because then you're dealing with hot spots on the pit, colder spots on the pit, rotating meat, when to wrap, when to do this. It's, uh, it, you know, we're, we are far from experts at any of this. You know, we, we, we're better now than we were when we started, but we still learn every single time we cook. You know, we, we haven't mastered anything. We, you know, we, we've learned what not to do more often than we've learned what to do. <laughs> And, and speaking of that, I would recommend, we, we, we've never done this in our pop-ups, but um, at a pop-up or a small event, don't try to do meat by the pound. Um, do meat plates, do a, do a set plate if you want to do a set plate, do sandwiches. Um, give fewer options to your customers because you're busy cutting the meat, you're busy assembling the plates probably. I mean, we do this with the help of our wives and, and my, two, my two boys that are old enough to have better things to do than to come work for free. And we couldn't do that. Well, they're kind enough to do it. We love them <laughs> yes, <more. laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, our, we may lose our wives one day through this business, but, um, you know, they're, they're tirelessly working, and it, we couldn't do that with all, all of that help. Just tremendous. No, no it's, it's, a, it's a definitely a family operation, what we're doing at this point. And so, again, like I said, uh, hopefully, hopefully some of this was, uh, was useful to you, Cody, but that's that's definitely our, our the best advice we can give you is again start small catering is a wonderful way to to get your 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 feet wet per se and uh, and don't just again don't overextend yourself don't try to do too much too soon you know make sure find a few things you do well and do them well and do them until you feel you're you know almost perfect at them before you start expanding to to different and crazy things um, I believe Cody Cody had one more question completely unrelated to the to the pop-up world yeah, almost similar uh, to um, to Alex's question, um, do we think yeah. the mystique of Central Texas style is is starting to wear off now that everybody's doing it? Another excellent question. Yeah, it's a really good question. This one, this one made me think, of, you know, quite a quite a bit because I, I think, and uh, yeah, I won't speak for Brian, but I was a pretty staunch defender of Central Texas barbecue for a long time. Uh, I love it. You know, I, I love heavy black pepper. I love that wonderful crust you get on the brisket. I love that coarse, fatty sausage. I mean, I love everything that the Central Texas style has become and has been. Um, but I'll be the first to tell you, I get burnt out on it because there's so much of it now. Yeah, it's brisket fatigue or Central Texas palate fatigue, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, it, yeah, and you I mean, see that at the festivals sometimes, and I'm glad that that's what's happening at the festivals. A lot of these guys are doing something different. 
it's a good way for them to experiment and it because you know you if you're eating 26 or 31 bites of the same item cooked the same way regardless of whether there's some better than others it's just not a fun experience yeah it, it, you know you eventually if you eat especially if you eat as much barbecue as we do you want some variety in what you're eating. You want you you want to see someone else's take on it, not just someone else's interpretation of the same thing. You know, and that's that's one of the things that we've talked about many many times. Is it, it felt like you know probably around I guess 2011, 12, 13 that when when barbecue started really exploding more in, into the mainstream of the food media world. AF everyone that was yeah the the AF you know <laughs> world of barbecue. I felt like every single place that was opening up was opening up serving the exact same meats, prepared the exact same way, the exact same flavor profiles. And again, no matter how well they were doing it, after a while, I don't need 10 things that taste like the same thing. Especially you know, all I, located I, within a few miles of each other. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so it's, it's nice to get those variations. I love having those, you know, those different experiences now. You know, that's, yeah, I, I think, I mean, I, I know we and, go back, and back to, to well, and back then. to your point too. Though we don't want the classic places to change, we want those no, to be classic, right? And and they're going to stay that way, and we want them to stay that way. And some of the places are going to stay that way. Um, I was talking with Kristen at Opie's last week about that, and, and you know she has no intention for their business to change and follow the trends and start doing pastrami or or you know goat or any of these other you know bon mis or anything like that. But I love the fact that that's an option now. And there's there's so many places. And this is not new. You know, I, I think some people may not be aware because they're, they're just new to the scene and they don't understand this. But Lambert's in Austin has been doing this uh, for over 10 years, fine dining. Yeah, white tablecloth barbecue. You know, um, Granary in San Antonio, they do a dinner service. Um, yep. You know, uh, in Dallas, Smoke, headed up by a James Beard Award winner. Um, doing yeah, some Tim Byers. Yeah, up in Dallas. I mean, you're seeing a lot more restaurants that are taking on that are taking on barbecue influences. Uh, Southern Goods right here in Houston, which uh, Patrick Fijits and so recently was working at. Uh, they they started out doing they they have a lot of smoked elements on their menu. They were doing uh, once a month barbecues on Saturdays, uh, which I think they're I believe they're still doing. Uh, but a lot of these restaurants the have taken on a. <laughs> You know, they're, they're keeping it in the restaurant realm where, you know, where they're not just serving you a slice of brisket on, uh, you know, on, on a nice porcelain plate and calling it fancy. They're doing different interpretations of different proteins, cook different ways or different seasonings. You know, obviously, the I would say one of the more renowned versions of this is what Evan Leroy has been doing. He was doing it at Friedman's and now he's doing it at uh, the Leroy, Leroy and Lewis barbecue truck. He's amped you know, it up. With, Evan with is the one of the most creative people in the barbecue world by far. From sausage to, to everything. I mean, he's across the board, the sides, the desserts. Um, he's now experimenting with a lot of different meats. Um, you know, uh, doing... Today he was doing a Szechuan peppercorn beef rib, <laughs> which if you've never had Szechuan peppercorns, I freaking love them. Go to Mala Szechuan. They're, uh, they're in Chinatown. They're in Montrose. They're in Houston. Um, there it's, it's a, it's similar to a black peppercorn, but it's got, um, it's, it's almost like, I'll, I'll try to give an analogy to the barbecue world. If black pepper was cooked with mesquite, it kind of gives your mouth a little bit of a tingle, a little bit of a numbing feeling. It's very different. And I'm, I really love to try that Szechuan peppercorn beef rib, but, Definitely. uh, but what Evan's doing every day, you see something new from him and it's just like, well, what the heck is this guy doing <laughs> now? And, and you can't really mention Asian influence without the blood brothers. 
um, you know, their goji oh, jang stuff, yeah. their swat sauce, all of the things that they're doing is, is unique as well. Yeah, they've thrown together a lot of the Asian influence that you see here in Houston because, you know, it's, it's one of the things that I love about our city is the cultural diversity of it. Um, but even, I mean, heck, we'll go to uh, we'll go to good old boy John Brotherton doing bomb meats up in Pflugerville. I mean, oh, all their sandwiches, yeah. Yeah, all of, all of John's sandwiches are incredibly unique, um, but but that's one of the things that we love about barbecue now is that it is evolving and it is changing, and you can still get the classic stuff. You can still get a classic chopped beef sandwich at plenty of places. You know, you can still get just your regular two meat plate at plenty of places, but then you've got these other options out there as well. Um, I was telling Brian today about uh, I, I haven't been there yet. I'm not a big Tatsuya fan in general, but uh, Kamuri Tatsuya in Austin, which was just named Bon Appetit's one of 10 best new restaurants in America, uh, they have a whole menu, uh, section of their menu devoted to smoked items, so fish collar, there's brisket on the menu. There's a, I think there's like a barbecue boat sampler plate, which of course is just listed as market price. But uh, <laughs> I don't even, I don't want to know what the market price is. If you have to ask, right now. you can't afford it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And but, speaking um, that's, of, that's one of the things we love. And speaking of high end, I mean, I absolutely can't go without mentioning STQ, Ronnie Killen's new restaurant. Um, you know, yep. Combining steakhouse and smokehouse. Um, I have not had the pleasure to go yet, but um, talked to plenty of people that have. And I did get to eat it at the Houston Throwdown. There's another one coming up here very soon. Um, he was at the last one and uh, was able. He's a judge this time, so I don't think he'll be serving anything. Um, but no, it was, he, he won it last time, so he's judging. Yep. <laughs> and uh, really great stuff. And he was he started serving. That was kind of, um, I wouldn't say a test, but he was he was serving samples there that he eventually started serving at the restaurant, like the beef rib ravioli. Um, really great stuff, um, but it, 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 that's where kind of where barbecue is going. And to to give you that the answer back to, do we think the mystique is wearing off? It, it's a yes and no. Uh, you know, I think that there's the difference is that there's a lot of places in Texas now you can get a top tier slice of brisket. A lot of places where five ten years ago it was harder and harder and harder to find in fewer places. Uh, but at the same time, there's this this whole generation of of restaurants that are opening up that are different that have um, different takes on it but they're fusing that texas you know meat market smokehouse style of barbecue into other and both other ethnicities and other regions and um, other meats all kinds of great stuff going on right yeah so i mean i guess making a long story short what we would say is the mystique wearing up yes and that's a good thing you know yes the mystique is worn off but it's a good thing because we don't need a thousand places serving the same item. So there you have it. All right. Um, our, uh, our final question comes from uh, guns up barbecue um, at guns up BBQ on Twitter, Instagram. I think he's on both with the same handle. If I remember right. And it kind of ties in pretty much everything we've been talking about. Um, but it was, uh, it was something that it was not an easy yes or no answer. Yeah, it was a, for, at a least simple for me. question, but a really difficult answer. Right. What do we enjoy more, cooking barbecue or traveling to eat other people's barbecue? Brian? Oh, yeah, throw me in the fire. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's really difficult because there's rewards to both. Um, you know, we absolutely love doing road trips. I, I grew up, my dad did road trips. Um, I took my kids on road trips, not always to barbecue. It was other stuff as well. Um, but I, I love the concept of a road trip. I love exploring Texas as a whole. Uh, seeing new places, um, you know, and 
I grew up a little bit of a cruel taskmaster when it came to driving. We don't stop very much. Um, I couldn't believe when Andrew is even crazier than I am um, so, <laughs> as far as timing and stopping. So um, he yells at me because I want to go see, a, you know, the world's largest ball of twine and, um, and take a five-minute break. But, um, but it's great because you get out, you get to see Texas. And, and, you know, again, we've talked about the experience factor, these old places, these, these people that have been doing this, these crusty veterans doing this forever, um, people that they don't care about the outside world that much, you know, which is great. It, it's wonderful to go experience these places. Um, some of these businesses that may not be around forever, um, you know, they, they may eventually go out of business. You know, we talked about before, you know, this mystique of Central Texas. Well, there's other places that are, you know, they're not the great barbecue that they, they used to be because there was so few others to compare to. Um, today they've been surpassed and they haven't changed. Some of those places we, you know, will be around for many, many years and some of those places are going to go away. And so, um, you know, going and experiencing these places, seeing these people, talking to them, um, lots and lots of fun. Love that absolutely. And of course, the food. Um, can't argue with the food. Um, but it's, 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 it's something that, you know, again, that we, we both did independently of each other for years. You know, we both do it together a lot. Now we go all over the state. We've been doing it for years. It's great because it it saves on our gas money and saves on our food money. Cause you know, if you're stopping at a few places a day, it allows us to order larger, larger portions and then split the portions rather than order, you know, the smallest amount possible if we're by ourselves. Right, and these goofy conversations that however many of you have decided to listen to that we do on a podcast now, they're the same goofy conversations that we've been having in the car for years. A little more profane in the car. We've decided to record them now. Yeah. A little little more profane in the car, I think, but not much. Yeah, um, well, yeah, I'm a sailor. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I try to tone it down for the uh, for the explicit nature of the uh of the podcast that we'd have to flag it. So, but other than that, yeah, if you ever meet me in real life, I, I apologize. In advance. <laughs> um, now, now the other part of it, cooking barbecue, you know, it's, this is something that just drives me wildly insane, both frustrating sometimes and, and so rewarding at the end of the day. Um, you know, there is much more to barbecue than what it seems like at the surface. There's more than just throwing some meat on a pit, counting to 10 and pulling it off. Um, you know, there's timing and everything else. And then there's different cuts of meat and we're watching what other people are doing and we're like, oh wow, you know, we never thought about doing X, Y, or Z. Um, you know, what if we did this? What, how does the wood affect it? And the only way you're gonna learn any of that is through volume, really. I mean, you can go out and, and watch YouTube, absolutely, and get a huge leap, uh, a huge head start. But at the end of the day, you know, the, the difference between running three pits with four different kinds of meats and trying to time it all to come off at the same time is so different than, you know, once a month cooking a brisket for your family. Um, yeah, oh, it, it absolutely is. I mean, and that's why, again, it's, it, to me, this wasn't just something I could say, yes, we like this more. Yes, I like that more. I, it, I like both of them for different reasons, and I have a passion for both of them for different reasons. You know, some of some of the barbecue road tripping now is almost it, it ties into what we do. It ties into what we cook because we've said it for for a long time. We think that eating barbecue, eating other people's barbecue, helps you improve your own barbecue. You can see what you know what they did right or what they did differently from what you're doing. You know, oh, they they added this spice to this. I didn't think about that. Like Brian was saying, it's you know 
you see all these creative ideas. And even, I mean, it doesn't have to be, we don't have to go see an Evan Leroy to get a great idea. We may go to the most classic old school place and say, oh, so this is what they put in the sausage, and that's what makes it so good. So, it, you know, you get different inspiration from all sorts of different places. And I think that, you know, I'm, I'm really excited for the barbecue that we're going to cook now that we've eaten at all the top 50. Does that mean we're going to make top 50 barbecue? I'm not saying that by any stretch of the imagination. But we've eaten all over the state at this point. So I'm curious to see how that influences what we're, what we cook in the future here as we, as we move forward. Um, but, but, and you know, the, saying, the road trip thing too, you know, it, it's so easy. <laughs> we go, we give some money, money and we eat, you know, and, and, you know, yep. we have a beer and go to bed or drive back home without having a beer. But you know, that's one thing. And it, it is just holy heck to try to put on a, a barbecue service and the amount of prep. And I mean, we, we're doing this for more than a week ahead of time. Um, oh, absolutely. And, Between making grocery lists for the stores that we go to, figuring out where we're going to get this product from. All the sauce and the pickles and all of that ahead of time that, you know, we're, we're yeah. doing that a week ahead before we even start. And then that and, and week of course, is just this could tie easy. back to the uh, do's and don'ts. You don't have to make your own pickles. <laughs> no, I, I would, if you're starting out, you know, don't go crazy and do all of those extra things because, you know, we like it because we like the art and that's what we're doing it for, um, you know, but a lot of people are actually going to prefer the simpler items. Uh, you know, the people that grew up on canned green beans are probably going to like canned green beans. Um, it's going to be comfortable and familiar to them, but we're not going to do that. You know, we can't do that. Andrew won't yeah, let me, and I, and I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just goes back to what you want your barbecue pop-up business, whatever you want to call it, to be. You know, if, if your goal is to make just like classic meat market-style barbecue, then by all means, get the Mrs. Barrett's bread, get the you know get get the Vlasic pickles or whoever your Dixie pickle or whoever your favorite pickle is. You know, and, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a classic meat market-style barbecue, but decide what you want your barbecue to be from from everything from again from the buns you use to the bread you use to you know the sides you use again as brian was saying do you do you need to roast corn cut it off the cob and do this and do that or do you just need to buy a bag of frozen corn i mean (laughs) do you need to make your own cream of mushroom soup or can you just use the shit from a can (laughs) (laughs) we these are all things that we have done (laughs) we we have made our own we've made our own tater freaking tots people and that's not bragging. That was stupid was. that we did that. It was completely stupid. But uh, but it just goes back to what you what you want it to be. And so again, I I, I love the, to me the best road trip we've ever had doesn't doesn't give me the same sense of satisfaction as when we've had a really good barbecue service. All right, so let's call this a wrap. All right, we'll uh, we'll be back at you next week with a new episode. Uh, not sure what it's going to be yet. Maybe. Uh, Maybe a recap of some uh, rundown of some specific list. Maybe something else. But uh, we'll uh, we'll give you guys the heads up when it's coming out. Uh, I think we finally settled on a launch date. It's going to be uh, Monday nights. Our our podcast is going to be dropping Monday nights. Uh, obviously, extenuating circumstances these last couple of weeks with the uh, with the storm. But uh, you can look for uh, new episodes to be hitting your your favorite podcast app uh, every Monday night, um, unless. Unless we tell you otherwise. <laughs> unless, but, uh, unless it's not a Monday night and we launch. We're going to try to do this consistently Monday nights. Um, for those of you that work overnight, you know, maybe you can listen to us Monday nights. 
Um, if you don't want to listen to us until the weekend and queue it up on your long, boring drives wherever you're headed, um, that'll work too. You know, our, our episodes are kind of getting a little longer. Originally, we thought we'd do 30 minutes, and apparently we're very long-winded about even simple topics. So uh, <laughs> they've been, been going a little longer than probably your average commute, so maybe you split it and uh, whatever. But, you know, you can also give us feedback, too, and let us know. You know if you're commuting around Houston, you can listen to this one <laughs> twice, though. Yeah, you can listen to, like, half of our podcasts. Uh, <laughs> my goodness. All right, so the other thing that we have to bring up, um, and, and, you know, we know this is a bit of pandering and it really drives us batty, but it does help. So in those systems that where our podcasts are hosted, uh, the ratings and reviews help identify our podcast, push it out to people, um, and offer it up to people that have never heard of us. So the ratings, you know, and if you don't like us, for all means, you know, let us know. But, um, you know, if you want to rate us, if you want to uh, leave a review, that helps us tremendously. Yeah, by all means, please rate us on iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, whatever app you listen to on. If it lets you rate us, please rate us. Um, we'd love to uh, love to get your feedback. Again, if there's topics or questions you have for us, something you'd like to hear that we haven't discussed, please, by all means, reach out to us uh, at Tales from the Pits on Instagram. Um, I am at Houston Fed FED on Twitter and Instagram. Brian is at BBQ Brian on Twitter, and I'm not even going to try to remember your Instagram name, Brian. <laughs> Instagram is Texas BBQ Treasure Hunt. There you go. So we like and to make Texas things confusing, you know. Yeah, we, we, we know how it is. Um, but on, <laughs> I, on Instagram, I did try to find him at BBQ Brian one five minutes. Yeah, there is another person on Instagram who doesn't post very often, who apparently has nothing to do with barbecue, so I don't know what that means, um, who He's is BBQ you. Brian. Yeah, he was, he was there before me. Um, yeah, all right, well, he beat right. you. Yeah, let's close this one down. Um, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Um, again, holler at us on Twitter or Instagram. Let us know uh, what you think, some questions for future episodes, um, any of that good stuff. And we'll see you out on the barbecue trail.